Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today, we're going to talk with uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist Dan Weber about what happened in the desert over the weekend, what's been going on in practice this week as the Trojans are in a bye week getting ready for Washington. We love to hear from you, so send us your questions. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can leave us a voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 816 646 is the number, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and leave a voicemail right from your device. Of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast, really simple to get to. Leave us a, a, a rating there, that would be great. You can leave us any kind of feedback you want, um, that would be awesome, and you can subscribe to, to uh, our podcast on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. We're on Stitcher and all that kind of stuff, so check it out there. And Let's bring in Dan Weber. Um, Dan, an interesting weekend with the uh, USC kind of bouncing back and still a lot of people have questions. There's a lot of concerns. Some people are happy. Some people aren't, but I guess it's kind of expected after the loss of Stanford a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I think they, you know, we want to be shown. I think take the thing that they're worried about a little bit is, uh, you know, the, the people up front, uh, you know, is the offensive line getting better? Uh, the fact that they didn't get a lot of yards running the ball against, uh, you know, Arizona State, uh, blitzers who outnumbered them took tremendous chances. Still people are worried, you know, just 76 yards rushing on 32 carries. And they're a little worried about, you know, the defensive front not being able to just really, uh, you know, they hit some good plays. Delvon Simmons on the goal line, uh, with the fumble, uh, knocking the ball loose and, uh, getting Chris Hawkins on the 94 yard return. But, uh, they gave up a lot of yards, uh, especially stuff, you know, right at them. So I think those two things have people worried. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, were they physical enough? Are they tough enough? Are they, you know, going to be able to control games at the line of scrimmage? I think is, is the thing that is, is worrying people. I think you're right, and we actually have a whole bunch of questions. That's a good segue. We have questions about the line play, so I'll play you a voicemail one first and get your comments. Hi, guys. This is Alan in St. Louis. Um, thanks again for the podcast. This question is for Dan Weber. Um, good win, but I'm a little concerned with what I'm seeing on the offense and defensive lines. From what I can tell, I think that both sides of the ball, the lines are letting the game come to them. And what I mean by that is no one seems to be engaging and pushing their man into the second level. It's either a bull rush on defense and maybe a swim move that gets to the quarterback. Uh, or on offense, you really see even in rushing plays, it seems like the offensive line is letting the defense get to them. And then our running backs are making athletic plays in order to get into the secondary so my question for Dan is, um, is this on purpose? Uh, is there a philosophy or some scheme involved, or is there just some type of technique that the players aren't applying and uh, that we'll see some progress through throughout the season? Um, again, thanks for the podcast and fight on. Yeah, good question from St. Louis. I think, uh, uh, you know, on the defensive line, uh, you know, the word we got this year was they weren't going to read and react. They were going to attack. They were going to be aggressive. We haven't seen that 
a lot. We've seen it occasionally. We saw it, you know, they picked it up a little bit, uh, you know, against Arizona State, uh, but but not enough. And we saw some, you know, guys in double teams that just, you know, got up high and just got taken out of the play. Uh, you know, there's no Leonard Williams, uh, you know, this year to, you know, beat those double teams. On offense, I don't know what it – I really, I mean, I think they had, they improved. They thought they only had one really busted play, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, breakdown in terms of who was supposed to block who and all that kind of thing. So they thought that was better. It just doesn't look on, on both sides of the ball like they're really attacking people. I mean, you know, if they, there are people who say, and, and, you know, we can't totally verify this, that, you know, they may have the, the biggest offensive line in the country. And, uh, what are they doing, you know, with that? What, you know, what are they getting out of that? Are they attacking people, uh, and pushing them into that next level, uh, like you'd, you'd like to see them do it? No, not yet. Now, is that going to come? Is that going to happen? We'll see. Uh, one of the ways they got to run the ball the other night is they put two fullbacks in the game and had this sort of a, they're calling it a Cowboys formation, but, uh, kind of a diamond formation with fullbacks on both sides of Cody and uh, the tailback behind him, which gave him you know, some more blocking at the line of scrimmage. But you'd like to, with with the talent they've got, the talent we think they've got, you'd like to see them be able to handle some of that with their, you know, with the guys on the line of scrimmage. And, and we haven't really seen that yet. Um, Dan, I wanted to mention was one of the guys we got to see in Arizona um was Michael Moline, and he does, he's our sponsor for the uh, Tuesday show, Michael Moline Real Estate. Uh, so if you're in Southern California and you need any kind of real estate advice, you need some help, you can go to michaelmolinerealestate.com or you can give him a call at 310-275-4688. So he's a true Trojan based in Beverly Hills, and you actually uh, will have a more detailed message at the end of the show uh, from Michael. But I just want to get your – I mean, we got to talk to him a little bit and see the stats set up and stuff. We saw at the home thing, and then they kind of – you know, what they do on the road and stuff too. So they're, I liked what they did stats wise at, at ASU and what they were talking about there. Yeah, they were terrific. <clears throat> they had, uh, game notes emailed to us before the game was over. Uh, I mean, that was, uh, that was terrific. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, they did a really good job of, uh, you know, not just putting the, you know, the quote sheets out and things like that, but, uh, but getting all those emailed to you and stats up to date. I thought they were, you know, it's it, it, and maybe you need to do that at Arizona State because it's like watching a game from a helicopter because yeah. <laughs> you're watching those guys from, you know, overhead and you don't get a full body view on on a lot of plays. Uh, so uh, I mean, but but heck of a job, uh, you know, by the Arizona State people, uh, you know, on stats except for the participation chart, which seems wildly off in yeah. terms of the numbers, but. Uh, I don't know if the computer didn't read the numbers properly or not, but uh, but otherwise, uh, terrific job. And Michael was there to see how they do it in other places, and uh, was surprised that he said hi. And I'm thinking, you know, he sounds familiar, you know. And <laughs> there he was uh, in the Arizona State press box. Yeah, um, and his daughter goes to Arizona State, so that's kind of cool. Uh, let's okay. go. Let's go to the questions. Uh, Dennis in Lancaster. He said, with our tight ends averaging one reception per game, do you think Cody will start using them ever? And when do, and when he does, it's a two-yard out. It seems like everybody in the NCAA and NFL has figured, out, figured this out, but him, love the show and fight on. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think you do have to. The fact that basically they're all all new, and I think with Cody, you gotta you know kind of earn his uh, you know trust, and uh, you know it's a uh, those are always work in progress, and they you know they've been you know switching. Uh, you've got basically three guys uh, there, and uh, you know I think I think it'll come uh, as as we. It's not like you know though that they're having trouble getting the ball to the other people. I mean you know I think for example I think there are only four teams. We saw this stat today. Four teams in the country who have thrown the ball to uh, 17 different receivers. Two of them are USC, UCLA. I think Boston College is one. Boy, I can't remember who the fourth one is. But uh, but USC, uh, you know, hasn't had a problem in finding people to throw the football to. Uh, but as you say, you know, I think they could throw it to the tight end a little bit more. Uh, I think that'll probably happen. But, uh, but right now, I think they're, you know, heck, they're, they're not, they didn't target, you know, Dory Jackson last week at all. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I'd rather have them find a Dory right now than the tight end. Makes sense. Uh, Tark wants to know, Kenny Bigelow always seems to do well when given a chance. Should we see more of him in the coming weeks? Well, I think, you know, I, I think we got down to the field yesterday or Saturday and he had one of the best looking sacks and just, you know, obliterated, you know, the Arizona State kid and was flying through there. And yet I think, Kenny's got to convince them that he will do that on every play. He will play with that kind of, you know, passion and speed and, you know, exertion and, you know, attention to detail and all that on every play and do that in practice as well. And uh, he's got to convince, uh, you know, Coach Wilson that, uh, you know, Coach, you put me out there and you're going to get that out of me every play. Uh, I do think that if there's one thing you wonder about, the defensive line, um, guys seem to maybe take plays off. And I don't know, you know, that they're loafing or anything. I don't exactly know what it is, but I think you've got to get guys that play with absolute total passion, you know, the way Leonard did last year, every play, play in, play out. And you do hear guys saying that that's one of the things they're learning. You know, they're learning to, you know, to do that kind of, you know, every play, every play, every play. And it's something that, you know, that I think they all have to do. Kenny's one of those guys that has to convince the coaches, don't worry about me. If I'm out there, I'm I'm all over it every play. Uh, probably hasn't happened yet. Uh, Big Nick in Cyprus wanted to know who the player, you thought the player of the game was and which, te- uh, which group you felt played the best for the team. Hmm. Uh, player of the game. I mean, Cody Kessler had five touchdowns, like, that's good. Yeah, you know, we don't even think about, you know, about Cody, I think, when he does that. I thought, I mean, I thought, you know, a couple of things that he did, the, you know, the, the fourth, uh, third and 13, and he runs for 21. Yeah. And then um, uh, he made it look easy. Uh, the one time that he escaped, you know, when two guys probably should have sacked him, and, and he ends up, uh, you know, completing a first down pass to Justin Davis. So you have to, you know, go pretty hard to, you know, find somebody else besides Cody. Although, you know, when you've got a Dory Jackson, just, you know, he, he got him going. I mean, that that 80-yard, you know, touchdown pass uh, is, 
you know, I think those demoralized the other team. I mean, he just made it look so easy. He was out there with that. Uh, I guess Jordan Simone is their, you know, their their guy that that is pretty much their leader on defense. And he couldn't if he had a baseball bat, he wouldn't have been able to hit, you know, Adori. Adori just went around him so easily and put it into gear. And um, uh, so you got you got to like, uh, you know, Adori when he gets the ball on offense. Is he uh, he going to get it four or five times? Um, he's always probably going to be in the running, I would think. And what position group? Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I can't um, think of one. Like nothing pops in my head. Like oh, that that group. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, if you want to, you know, say uh, the secondary uh, got uh, a couple of those turnovers, uh, and that was the big emphasis uh, of the week was, you know, tur- take the ball away, get that turnover. And you got Plattenberg doing exactly what he's supposed to do with Isaiah Langley uh, playing in front, and they disguised the, the cover two, and got Berkovici to you know to throw overthrow it and and, and picked it off, and then for uh, Chris Hawkins to be right on the money and alertly you know not only scoop it but you know pick it up and go with it. Uh, I, I would give that group probably uh, you know they did a pretty good job. The secondary did. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I think I would go with them too. That's that's a good one. All right, um, the good good questions there. We have one from Matt. It was a, I was a very impressed by the downfield blocking by USC. Stephen Mitchell in particular seems to love it, and that's a great thing. Uh, how is it that the coaching staff has motivated the skill position players to be interested in the dirty work of blocking? Well, I think a lot of that credit. I think uh, you know, two ways you can look at that. I think uh, T. Martin does a really good job, and he really, really, you know, it's always been a focus and emphasis, and he's got an enforcer uh, in Gigi Smith-Schuster. Uh, uh, you know, when when your best player uh, blocks the way Gigi does, uh, it's really, you know, he's blocking for those other guys. Uh, how can those other guys not be, you know, following in his footsteps? I mean, I thought it was great that the one guy – that, uh, you know, he got into that little to-do and practice for not blocking. Isaac Whitney was, the, was the, you know, the guy who probably got a bad call. I'm, I'm guessing it was a Pac-12 call, so he probably didn't come down with his heel on the, on the you know, uh, sideline, but uh, came back the next play, and he gets the, you know, the big block that springs uh, Stephen Mitchell for the touchdown, and then Stephen Mitchell was down there, when uh, uh, Adori, you know, got loose. And uh, so, yeah, they'll fight you uh, down the field. I think they really take pride in that. But I do think I, I, I credit a lot of that to Juju and uh, and the fact that the way, you know, T. Martin teaches it with uh, with the kind of attention to detail. I, I think, you know, they, they're starting to pick up on uh, on that, that maybe they, they were young last year. They maybe didn't quite – get into it as much as, you know, Nelson Aguilar, I think, tried to show them, but maybe they weren't ready yet. But this year they're really, uh, they really take a lot of pride in, uh, in going after people downfield. We have a, uh, another voicemail question for you. Here you go. Dan, this is Randall in Dallas. I'm having a hard time understanding this offensive line that protects Cody so well, not being able to open up any lanes for the running backs. Help me figure this out. Was it ASU's defense, or is it on the technique? What's going on? Uh, Juju, 
I said it before, this kid is killing everything out there. Uh, talk to you next week. You know, I think uh, I think there wasn't a good answer a week ago. I think Saturday at Arizona State, I, mean, I think Coach Conley pretty much explained it exactly what they were doing. He said if USC had a tight end in, which basically means you've got six, uh, you know, blockers, uh, Arizona State would would come with seven. If you brought in a, a fullback, which gives you seven protectors or blockers, Arizona State came with eight. I mean, they basically uh, adjusted their defense to however many USC had plus one. And with the thought that they'd just come through all the gaps and they were running, you know, all kinds of, you know, twists and, and stunts. And, uh, and USC, again, I thought, you know, protected Cody really well considering how many times they were – you know, they were blitzing and coming with everything. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, I would, I still like to see more, uh, you know, push and more pop and more oomph at the line of scrimmage, even if they're coming with that many people. I still think you ought to be able to, you know, create a seam or you ought to be able to, I, I don't know that I'm seeing enough quickness. I don't know if I'm seeing enough just absolute pop. You know, off the, I mean, they were and they were working on starts and stances a lot today, and um, and and uh, and sprints out of the starts and stances. So we'll see. I mean, I think you know this line has the potential to be one of those lines that can knock you off the line of scrimmage. I mean, uh, one would think that, for example, Ohio State last year started out really awful and couldn't do anything against Virginia Tech and got beat at home. And by the end of the year, they were just blowing everybody out with, uh, you know, a, a lot of three-star guys. Didn't have a lot of, you know, real big-name guys, but they just kept getting better and better. And you got to hope that this, you know, offensive line really figures it out. And, yeah, they've got some issues. You know, Zach Banner against the speed rush. I mean, that's a, that's a problem. Uh, and they've got to, you know, get, get a little better at that. And they've got to get their pad level a little better and they just got to keep working on it. I think it's, it's really important to keep working at it and keep getting better. Uh, I thought today they had a better day. I thought, you know, that was a, that's a positive. I, I like the way coach Conley talked about it today and, uh, you know, but, but they ought to be, I agree with you, Randall. Um, and we, there was more kind of questions on the line too. Garrett had Garrett Seattle had a little bit different take. Um, he thinks they're not playing to the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, that they're not playing to the strengths of the players on both the offensive and defensive sides. That's for instance, the offensive line seems to do much better on simple straight ahead, man on man, hit the guy in front of you type of run blocking. However, they seem to be more of an emphasis on running complex, so slow developing counters, trappings, pullings, or stretch type of plays. Things are going sideways and the defense could come pour into the backfield and pursue through the gaps, the gaps. He said conversely for the defensive line, it's more basic in their attack, usually just kind of rushing straight ahead, and they could use more creativity and movement like stunts and slants and twists to help get more penetration and pressure. He says, I realize it can't be all one way all the time, but shouldn't it lean more heavily to what the player's strengths are and what puts them in the best position to succeed? What are your thoughts? And that's from Garrett in Seattle. Yeah, Garrett, I think bingo. I mean, I think <laughs> uh, on both sides of the line, I, I agree with you. I would like to see him run – more of the quick hitter stuff and the straight ahead stuff and the man on man stuff. Uh, I'm not crazy about, you know, this team. I'm not sure 
that the stretch plays match these guys' talents. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think I'm going to ask, you know, Sark about that tomorrow. If there's any thought, you know, of redesigning kind of how they get into the run game. I mean, he laughed today when I, you know, asked him we're going to see more of that, uh, that Cowboys, uh, you know, two fullbacks, uh, which gives them the ability to run power one direction. You can run both of those guys as blocking backs in front. You can run, uh, you know, a lead blocker and just run it straight up into the, you know, the A gap. You can do a lot of things, uh, you know, with it. And they, they got it going a little bit because it, it enabled them to be, you know, to outnumber Arizona State and they ran a play action touchdown out of it. So, uh, maybe they're, you know, I think they're thinking about are we doing all the right things, uh, in the run game. And, uh, and I think, for example, I think Ronald Jones is just a terrific, you know, getting through the hole quick and uh, let him make one cut. And if a linebacker misses him, now you got him one-on-one with some safety and see what happens or corner, depending on which way he cuts. Uh, as far as the defensive line, you know, I agree. I think they – I mean, and I think they thought that's how they were going to be playing with uh, more movement and more, you know, slants and, and, and more kind of combination stuff and team stuff rather than just one guy – you know, on one, you know, getting double teamed and trying to stand up and, you know, fight his way through. Uh, uh, so I, I think, you know, we say this all the time. It's a work in progress on both sides of the ball up front, but it really is. And, um, you know, you just probably have to hope they figure it out and say, okay, we have to be moving. We have, we can't wait. Uh, we can't wait for people to come to us. We gotta, you know, if you want to, you know, they talked about how uh, uh, you can't let the run game be played on your side of the line of scrimmage the way Stanford did, for example, or the way Arizona State did. And there's a way to stop that is by attacking and, you know, penetrating and actually, you know, getting, you know, and, and, and I think there are a lot of people that are starting to wonder, should they base, should the basic defense be more of a four-man front instead of a three-man front? Yeah. I'm tending to agree that maybe it should, but uh, let's uh, let's see where you know <laughs> they got a got a week to figure it out with the Washington game, and then you know that three game stretch, the next three, you better be ready to play some defense. You know at Notre Dame, Utah coming in, and then at Cal, uh, so uh, they got to get it right. Certainly do. Uh, one more line question, Jan Ukaipa. He says, good win, lots to be pleased with, but the offensive line, Ryan, oh, the O-line, always with penalties. What is going on? Is it a coaching thing or perhaps a discipline thing? What say you, Ryan and Dan? Thanks, Ryan, from JNU Kaipa. Yeah, I asked Coach Conley that, and he, he just said, absolutely no excuses for that. They're just unacceptable. They have to get better. Uh didn't go into what it was. I mean, he said, you know, there were a lot of stress on him with bringing all those people. I don't think they were very happy with how the how the game was going. But uh, those uh, drive killing penalties uh, just have to stop. And uh, he said the worst ones of all are the, the pre-snap penalties, where you're you're basically, uh, you know, you're not you're not focused in. You're not. And, and he said, okay. You could explain a little bit of it. It's the first game on the road. First game with crowd noise. 
is really, uh, you know, a factor against you and learning to do that. But he said, that's it. We've, you know, we've done it now. Uh, no excuses, uh, you know, going forward. We'll see. I mean, you know, let's face it. You're in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, the same guys who, I think, you know, flagged USC for seven penalties the first two games, flagged them for 18 penalties the <laughs> second two games. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, so what else is new? So some of it, uh, you know, and they flagged, uh, Arizona State for two. I mean, Arizona State, you know, is a wild bunch. And, um, you know, it was like they couldn't do anything wrong, uh, penalty wise. So you just have to understand that. And, uh, it's gotta be a little cooler. And I think there was some frustration, uh, on the offensive line, but, uh, that has to stop. All right, we got uh, two more, and then we'll let you go, Dan. I know you got you're a busy man. Um, this one says, "I loved watching over and over the touchdown catch by Adoree Jackson, along with the awesome block by Stephen Mitchell." Yeah, that's what I enjoyed last week too in the Stanford game. Oh wait, that's right, Adoree didn't play a down on offense the previous week. Why is that again? Uh, P.S. Thanks to Coach Todd Graham for allowing our USC defense to have nice breathers between plays by slowing down their offense to use the entire clock. Defenses that are playing on the road in 100-degree heat definitely need these. Seriously, thanks. Uh, Stephen Poway, PSS, you and Dan Rock, keep the podcast coming. Yeah, you aren't the only ones I can talk great about. I actually listened to his uh, little presser today, and it was interesting. He said, said a couple of things that USC people might be interested in. He said, this week they play the best team that they're going to play. UCLA. He said, last week was the most talented team <laughs> we were going to play, USC. Uh, interesting little commentary there. Uh, you can take it with, you know, good and bad, and you probably wouldn't want to argue with him. Yeah, I don't think anybody was sure exactly why. I mean, he didn't play as many players, though. And he, I don't think they've got much depth. So I think he decided that he may have been, you know, the whole USC playing a lot of guys. I think that threw him off a little bit and got him to huddle. I think he decided he was just not going to go that up-tempo because they got a lot of guys they can throw in there on defense. I, I think that benefited USC, to be honest. I, I really uh, – and, that you know, that's one of those things, you know, you didn't know how it's going to work out, but, but I think it – you know, it really, it really benefited USC. Yeah, as to the Stanford game and letting them control the tempo, and, and there is an issue. I did, another thing Todd Graham said, he said their goal in the game was to run 80 plays, and they thought USC would only run 65, and I think it turned out to be they ran 79, USC ran 63. So he was pretty much on the money there. I mean, you got to factor in USC's got the home run hitters, and they, you know, probably aren't going to run as many plays. And when you're playing Arizona State and they're not letting you run the ball, even, you know, second half when you think, well, you ought to be able to run the ball, you got a 35 to nothing lead. Uh, they wouldn't let USC do that. So, uh, you know, it's probably going to work out, you know, kind of those numbers. But, uh, but by only running, you know, 79 plays, I think, uh, it didn't put that much pressure on the USC defense, and that was probably a benefit. And I'm not sure what, you know, the right answer for Todd Graham was if he thought 
USC had a lot more players that they could run into the game, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. But but I think there's no question USC had more guys that, that they could put on the field uh, than, uh, than Arizona State did. Yeah, and if USC was thanking Todd Graham for not running a hurry up, uh, David Shaw was probably thanking USC for not putting Dory Jackson on offense. <laughs> right, or running the hurry up, uh, or even getting the ball back, or even <laughs> deciding to play on the uh, uh, Stanford side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah. All of those things, yeah. that's a, You're exactly right. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> week after week. and it, it is a coach's league, and it's a coach's matchup. And I'll be interested to watch Arizona State this week. If I, I think, you know, the, the way UCLA has, you know, been so dominant running the football and the way Arizona State plays the run, I'm, I'm going to be interested to how that matchup goes uh, yeah. and how the UCLA kids, are they going to be ready? They, you know, beat the heck out of Arizona State last year and they saw the USC game with uh, Arizona State. I'll be interested to see how UCLA is ready to go um, uh, Saturday night in the Rose Bowl. We got one last one. It's very appropriate because of the way practice was run earlier today. It's from Irvin. He says, hey, question for, for you, Dan. Uh, how has Sam Darnold looked with the scout team, and do you think Wilcox should uh, let Porter Gustin rush the passer more? Well, I think they need to work with him on, on, on technique. I mean, you'll see him trying, and he's kind of, you know, standing up and, and, and fighting him a little bit. I think he's got to work on some moves uh, and, and maybe not go straight in at him and, and, and just use his athleticism and get around the corner. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I think, you know, we'll see those things develop over the year, how, how quickly they do for true freshmen. I don't think you can even begin to predict that, especially in a you know position like that. But, yeah, I think I'd – you know, I'd be working with him every day on uh, on just, you know, individual moves and kind of, you know, how do you, you know, you make your body narrow or how do you go in sideways? You know, how do you, you know, come around that corner and get your hand out just enough to, you know, to get to the quarterback, even if that, you know, offensive tackle is getting a piece of you uh, because he's 6'5 and he's got that kind of, you know, explosiveness. Um, let's see. Uh, the other question was? Oh, uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, Sam Darnold. Oh, today he got his big chance today. I thought he looked really good. They had they did a lot of work with the uh, the second groups. So and the second group I'm talking about, not the starters, but the guys that are in the rotations on both offense and defense, or right at the fringes of the rotation. And they played a lot. And he got uh, a chance uh, at the end, uh, step in for Max Brown, and he looked terrific. I mean, he ran the ball, he ran it, he threw it. Uh, you know, it's nice to see them when they run that zone read and the quarterback, you know, can really take advantage uh, and take off with it. But uh, I thought he just looked uh, – I thought he had a really good day. Um, he's um, he's impressive. I, I think they uh, – you know, there's a reason why, you know, Ricky Town is, is out of town uh, now. Uh, Sam is um, – he's a very, very good player. And, and – He's handling the whole redshirt thing, I think, really well. Understands, you know, what it means for him. And um, uh, just, you know, when you see a practice like today and you think, wow, you know, I mean, we've seen him. He, he, you know, he does a really nice job in the scout. But in the scout team, you're running somebody else's offense and you're running it with all the scout guys. And it's never, you know, quite realistic. But today it was, and uh, he was very good. 
All right, Dan. Well, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. It's a bye week, so it's a little more relaxed. Uh, USC won, so we don't have the you know uh, dozens and dozens of angry emailers and and voicemailers. So it's nice, a little more subdued, which is it was kind of nice. Right, and 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 I don't think they were wrong to be upset about last week. I think they were, I think they were legitimately, uh, you know. Correct. I mean, there are, you know, you can understand young team, you know, Stanford plays the perfect game. I mean, I think it's interesting that you're still seeing a lot of people say, you know, uh, uh, I think I at least a couple of guys on ESPN the other day. Uh, Trevor Maddox, I think, was one of them, are predicting a Stanford-USC rematch, you know, in the, in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, which I think uh, would be wonderful. I mean, I think, you know, so they're – a lot of people have not, you know, totally jumped off the USC bandwagon. They've got to get better. They've got to improve, as Coach Conley said today. Uh, they're not nearly good enough. But, uh, you know, they've got a chance. I mean, all you can ask for at this point is they have a chance. And um, they've just got to keep getting better. And I thought today's practice was a step in the right direction. Uh, and that's all you can do, one practice at a time. And, uh, um it would be uh, the thing we'd all probably enjoy seeing if they uh, they got that rematch with Stanford. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So USC will be back on the practice field on Wednesday, so check back on uscfootball.com for that. There's some time off. They'll be practicing again kind of over the weekend, getting ready. It's like the game week leading up to the Thursday practice. So uh, we'll be on the site, you know, posting all the updates and stuff from practice. But we'll have our regular shows again early next week, kind of previewing uh, USC versus Washington. So if you have any more questions, you can definitely send them in. But thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Great stuff. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Ryan. All right. Thanks to Dan and everyone else. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from our buddy Michael Moline at Michael Moline Real Estate. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 